you know, throughout November, uh, Jared and I have been working on this series called Courageous, and it's really based on Paul's letter to the church in Philippians, in Philippi, excuse me, called the Philippians. And one of the things that kind of jumps right out as you dig into the four chapters of Philippians is, first of all, Paul is writing this from prison. Uh, This is likely, as scholars tell us, was written while he was in prison in Rome and ultimately right before his execution. That's the first thing. It's written from prison. Second, it just kind of exudes with joy. that throughout the letter, it's rejoice or joy. And it, it really kind of permeates this atmosphere of love and thanksgiving uh, throughout the Philippians. You know, every Sunday you look up above me and you see rejoice in the Lord always. Well, that's from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And that's kind of the theme of what Paul is kind of launching into. And so what we kind of reflected on... Uh, How can you have so much joy in the midst of so much challenge when you're being pressed and and having this kind of difficulty? And, you know, I looked at uh, a definition of what exactly is courage. I mean, if I really pushed you, what is courage? The best definition I found is this. Courage is grace under pressure. And I like that a lot because Paul was under pressure and yet just reflected deep grace, grace that it's unmerited favor. He didn't deserve it. And yet God has poured this down upon him. And so we started this series of what is it to be courageous is to be gracious. And we can be gracious towards others because what Christ has been gracious and forgiving towards us. That's step one. That was first week. Uh, second week, we talked about the courage uh, to be last. We have a world which is always kind of clamoring to, you know, uh, look out for number one and kind of be so self-focused. And as we looked in Philippians chapter two, the first few verses, it talks about get rid of yourself of selfish ambition and what he calls empty conceit. And we talked about how as a follower of Christ, you got to have the courage to put others before yourself, okay? And that's what we talked about that. Last week, we looked at Philippians a little later in chapter 2 of the great Christ hymn, where we talk about, here was Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but he emptied. He, he emptied, poured out himself, became vulnerable for all of us, to show us the real path of love. And we talked last week, what is courage to be vulnerable, to be real, authentic with people? That was what was so beautiful about Paul's, uh, you know, offertory piece uh, this morning. You know, the vulnerability of the challenges that we face in this journey of life. And and so he had the courage to be vulnerable. We want to end this series looking at chapter 3. And we're going to talk about the courage to put Christ first okay to put christ first because there are so many things that are clamoring to be number one in our lives and so this message is going to be trying to make the main thing guess what the main thing (laughs) and how that's easier said than accomplished 
but I think there's a pathway. And that's where we want to really kind of launch in today. Let's uh, turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. This is what Paul writes. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow, ever, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or I have already reached the goal, but I press, press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. I forget what lies behind, strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is God's word for God's people. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and meditations of each of our hearts are going to be found loving and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. I was reading an article this week in um, the media, and they noted it was the 55th anniversary for the patent for laser. Now, laser was something that once was confined to university research labs 50 years ago, and now it's ubiquitous. You know, what is laser but light, right? Uh, ampli uh, I've got this written down because I always get me me messed up. Light amplification stimulated emission radiation. That's a handful. That takes your all my science teachers. Yeah, I know that. Right? Uh, light amplification stimulated emission radiation. And, you know, that which was once kind of exclusive and um, pretty rare is ubiquitous in our world today. How many of y'all, just in your house, got like a little laser pointer? You know, you can be, you know, kind of show some. If you got a presentation, it's kind of nice. Point out where things are. Laser pointers, right? And how many of you uh, have ever been to a performance or a concert? You know, they got the cool laser light show beaming all over. And you're like, wow, that's cool. How many have seen the lasers there? How many have been blessed? Uh, with some of the medical advances that lasers utilize, uh, whether it might be for eye surgery. They use a lot of lasers for that now. Uh, you know, I was blessed. Uh, it was 25 years ago, one month and 10 days uh, because I had a kidney stone. That memory is deeply etched in Brian's head, okay? The agony of that kidney stone, writhing literally on the floor at Altman Hospital, just trying to get some measure of comfort. You know, they came in, they came in, and they zapped it with, guess what? A laser. You know, they broke up that stone and all these different pieces. It kind of was able to pass uh, that way. So we've been blessed with that, with laser. Do you know... Um, that lasers are so powerful that they can cut through a diamond? Were you aware of that? Now, did you know that there's hardly an industry in existing now that doesn't have some benefit of laser uh, technologies that right now they have lasers that are being deployed over the Ukraine uh, to shoot down drones that are flying overhead with just a, a beam of light. Now, 
Have you ever kind of wondered, where is the power, where, where does the power of a laser come from? Because here's the reality. We are the beneficiaries of light right now. I mean, right? It's all around us, light. But what's the difference between this light and laser? Because it's light as well, right? Light amplified. We talk about how what makes a laser a laser is that it's on one frequency, okay? And it's concentrated into one point. And what makes the genius of a laser a laser is its power really to make a, a single thing the most important thing, to make the main thing uh, the main thing. Um, you know, um, as I just got lost in my notes, oh, um, it's, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, Okay, focused energy. I know what I want to do. It really, what that laser is, is when it's kind of pounded, pressed into a solitary point. That's why it can cut through a diamond. Well, when we uh, look into Paul's letter uh, to the church in Philippi in chapter 3, he uses the word, I press on. It's the, the, the Greek word there is diako. And you could put it being pounded, being pressed, being lasered, really focal point into a solid uh, connection. And that is what is intended for us who follow Jesus Christ, to make our relationship with Jesus Christ numero uno, okay? Not numero 28, not one in a long list of kind of objectives, but to make it numero uno. And that is far easier said than accomplished because we live in a world where there are so many alternatives that can kind of grab our attention and divert our focus from. Many of these diversions are not necessarily bad, but what I hope you hear is this. All of these distractions from our God are what we would call idolatrous. They are an idol. Now, most of the time when you hear that word idol, you think the little Buddha that you put on your mantle place, right? And that's, the, that's an idol. You know, we all know that. But here is the reality. <laughs> all around us are things that want to be number one in our life. They all want to be first, our primary focus of our energy is what they want to be for us. And many of these things are good. For instance, uh, you know, with the, idol, the idols that are around us, I, I would venture to say that there are those who've made the perfect relationship the idol of their life. They're looking around for the perfect match in romance and in love. And they're, you know, it's like shell silver scenes. I'm missing my piece. And I'm looking for my missing piece. And if I find my missing piece in another human being, then I will be complete. <laughs> you know, uh, there are those who make that their solitary focus is finding that missing piece in their life. And subsequently, I think they really suffer as a result of that. Others, that, that their primary focus uh, on life is in success at work. 
And you know, you crank long hours, you're doing 75 hours a week, uh, you, you're doing all these trade shows and publications, all in order to kind of make it up the pinnacle of your career and your success. And when you're out at a party or something like that, and people say, well, what do you do? What you talk about is what you accomplish at work. <laughs> and that's your identity. That's numero uno in your life is your work. That could be one of the idols that are out there. There's other idols, of course. Uh, there is the, the, some of the idols of what I would call uh, things like wealth or money. That's a big one, actually. How many people, you know, your stock portfolio is your kind of, that's your measure of success. And if I could just get to this mark, well, then I will have arrived. And, and that's your focus point, getting that to your, por your, your portfolio number. That can be an idol that's before you. Others are things like sports. How many of you know, maybe it's your own soul, that your primary energy and focus is on your team. You live your life for your team. You have all decked out for your team. You spend all your money, discretionary income, on your team. That's what it's all about. That can become idolatrous for us. Uh, we can have uh, other things, such as shopping. You know, we're coming up here, Black Friday. Everybody's, you know, how many, right? Some of you are like scanning through your phones right now, looking for your Black Friday deals. You know, and that, that's what you, you're kind of looking for. What, what's your focus? And that can be a focus for many. And, and so I hope all of us, what Paul is my, reminding us is in order to be the people God wants us to be, we've got to make that one thing, the Lord. <laughs> and everything else kind of falls in behind that. Now, I hope that you'll hear this. And, and you can say, well, Pastor Brian was kind of harping on shopping. Pastor Brian was harping on sports. Pastor Brian's harping on relationship. Pastor Brian's harping on sex, making that the main thing. But Pastor Brian's harping, no. <laughs> These are all blessings. These are gifts that our creator has given to us. Please hear me on that. But you know, all these blessings that God gives to us, you know, they are gifts, but they make lousy gods. You hear me? They're gifts. They're not gods. And unfortunately, we can lose our focus. We can get so wrapped up on the what I call the non-essentials, that we lose sight of what is number one for our journey. You know, Soren Kierkegaard, the great uh, philosopher, he said this. He said, the purity of heart is to will one thing. And that's my prayer every day. I want to will one thing, to know Christ and to make Christ known. And everything else will kind of fall in its respective place. And you can enjoy all the gifts, but just not make it the one point, the laser point that drives our existence. And so we see in Philippians uh, chapter 3, Paul kind of uses this illustration of running. Paul, Paul likes to use that a lot. And throughout it, uh, I want to kind of have us see how we can make the goal of our, Lord, our relationship with Lord number one. And here it is. He gives us kind of this recipe. He says in verse, um, uh, what is that? Verse uh, 13. He says, uh, one thing I do, 
one thing. You hear me? One thing that I do. I forget what lies behind. Let's just take a moment just to kind of digest forgetting what lies behind. How many of you, maybe you just kind of live with tons of regret. It just kind of, you're weighing it almost like a coat in your life. And, you know, maybe something happened a couple years ago and you just you regret it and you just want a mulligan. Yeah, you want a do-over. I wish I could just do that one over. And we all, every one of us have mulligan moments. All of us have deep regrets. Mine is almost daily, okay? Things I should have said and things I, I didn't say. And I regret it. And, you know, there are those, however, that instead of kind of giving it to God, they, they just ruminate. And it kind of gets energy in their soul. And Paul says, if you want to make the main thing the main thing, first of all, what you got to do is forget what is behind you? That's not going to be productive energy. You can certainly learn lessons from it, but there's a big difference between learning lessons and ruminating and dwelling on what has happened in the past. So please hear that. Forget what lies behind, but then focus, laser, okay, focus on what is before you. And, and Paul says it this way, to lay hold uh, of that one thing uh, that will kind of keep you uh, focused. And so um, what is that one thing? He says it this, um, the one thing is the prize of our relationship with God. You'll hear in scripture, there's a couple other times where Jesus talks about the one thing. Do you remember the story of the rich young man? In Mark chapter 10, remember that dude, you know, he was uh, asking God, what do, I, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus, what do I need to be saved? And Jesus says, you know, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. And the dude says, yeah, I got this. I'm good. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, he says, what else do I need to do? And Jesus looked at him and said, you know, one, you lack what? One thing. <laughs> you lack one one thing. That's what's been the focal point of his life, is accomplishing things himself. He's left, he's lost sight of what it's all about, the Lord and the Lord only. Here, there's another type. Remember the story of Mary and Martha, those two sisters? It's come Thanksgiving week, and you know, Martha's the one that wants to make sure that the turkey's prepared, and the table's set just right, and Martha's all consumed about the details. And there's Sister Mary, who's just kind of, you know, soaking in the Lord's presence. And Martha's kind of ticked at her sister. And Jesus, once again, says, you know, Mar Mary gets it. The one thing that's important. And that's connecting with me. And, and so I hope that you not only realize you've got to forget um, what it lies behind, but you've got to focus on what is before you. And then, finally... I think the next step is to face what is beyond you, okay? I think that's the third point, to focus, uh, to face what is beyond us. Because what is beyond us is a kind of future that is both eternal and yet abundant, filled with joy and hope and peace and glory. And 
things that make this kind of existence, even in its highest and best moments, kind of very dim compared to what God has in store for us. And we need to strain forward to it. Uh, no matter the, maybe the challenges, the darkness, the difficulties uh, that we uh, encounter now. Okay, the question then becomes, all this may sound well and true, you know, Brian says, I got to forget what's behind, and, and I got to focus on what is ahead, and I got to face what's beyond. I, you know, that sounds nice. How? <laughs> How do I do that? And why should I do that? Well, first of all, I think there is um, the question of why we should do that is we find focus and power in life when we really look to the one thing, making Christ first in our lives. We mailed out to every member of this faith family this month our commitment covenants. And on those commitment covenants, we just ask that you reflect on how you want to support the congregation by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness. Those are the commitments we make as members to support the congregation. And you're like, you know, I do that every year. I mean, we do it in that same form, but in variations, we revise it a little bit. We've been doing it now, I think, about 25 years. Uh, we've been mailing out that form since I've been here. And, uh, you know, you're like, eh, it's the same old say. Why do I have to do that? Well, why I think it's important and why we ask you take stock and reflect on what are your priorities? What's your one thing that's most important? And that's why we ask you to commit of your time, your talents, your treasures of life, because it's a gut check for you to see what is vital and what is important as you move forward. That's what we do, our commitment covenants. And so I, I just want to end with kind of, I think, an exercise that Pastor Robbie gave us. We were working on our sermons together, and Robbie came up with this in his research. Uh, he found it, it was called the Eisenhower Matrix. The Eisenhower Matrix was, of course, named after President Eisenhower from the 1950s and was the Supreme Allied Commander during World War II. And Eisenhower was a, an extraordinary genius uh, organizationally. Uh, and one of the things that he did is he said, you know, you got to kind of put all of the issues that come up to you in one of four boxes. He called quadrants. He said, the first thing you got to do is you got to decide whether it's urgent or not urgent. Okay? So that's the categories there. And then the other quadrants are important and then not important. And then he says, when you begin to reflect on these kind of quadrants and you put into pockets what you need to kind of focus your energy on, if it's something that's urgent and important, guess what? You got to do it now. You got to address it. Don't, don't sweep it under the rug. If it's urgent and important, deal with it right now. And then there's the other issues where, it, yes, it's important, right? But it's not urgent, not like now. And so what Eisenhower said, at that point, you got to schedule it. you know, you got to put it onto the calendar to reflect on because it is important, but it's not urgent. you got to schedule it. He said, but then there are other things that, frankly, um, they are not um, urgent. Wait, wait, let's get my categories right. Um, they are urgent, but they're not urgent important. 
okay? In which case, Eisenhower said that at that point, you need to delegate, okay? Some you got to address, some you got to plan, the other you got to delegate. But then there's that last category, and let's be honest, this is the category that most of the things we encounter in life, A, they're not urgent, B, really, essentially, they're not that important. And he says, at that point, uh, when they're not urgent, they're not important, you got to delete it. And that's, I think, uh, some keys of how we make number one, make Christ first, is to reflect all the things we have going on, all the balls we're trying to juggle in the air. I mean, is it urgent? Is important? And if it's really what is the most essential to the journey of life, I think we're going to make time for that, whether it's in our prayer time, whether it's in our devotional time, our worship time, our small group time, uh, if we sense that's really where we're fed to the depth of our soul, (laughs) that's where we're going to make the main thing the main thing. And so my challenge to all of you is in this month of November, on Thursday, we're all going to, as a nation, pause and say thanks. To say thanks for the gifts that have been given. I hope that while we're saying thanks, We also give praise to the giver, who is the number one of our lives, who we serve as followers of Jesus Christ and be receptive to that which he freely gives. Let's take a moment, just pray. Almighty and gracious God, we ask for really the strength to forget what is behind us, okay? To kind of look ahead to what is before us and then to really project beyond and to encounter your Holy Spirit on what is before us. Lord, we ask for courage in this journey. Help us to make the main thing the main thing. Keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.